The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy, and my guest is Michael Goldman. I almost could refer to him as a Maldonian because he has a long history with Malden, a graduate of Malden High School, well-known family here in Malden, but he comes back periodically and gives me a chance to get educated on the political process and the goings-on that are occurring. We're about a, shy of a month away from the election, and uh, it's been an amazing year. Oftentimes, election years are unusual, but this particular election and this particular year is extremely uh, different in, than the past election as, a pro as we sit here today analyzing what's going on. It certainly is stunning when you take a look at it in this time as a historical election rather than just an election. We always like to think elections matter, but we know a lot of them don't. We know a lot of them really aren't going to make much much of a difference in people's lives. You know, certainly 1968 made a difference. That was a big raise. But there are plenty since 1968 which are forgettable. Um, my favorite forgettable election was Ford and Carter. Quite frankly, it was. Uh, uh, there aren't six people who can tell you much about it except that uh, that. Uh, they're not sure they made the right choice um, in that particular cycle. But this is this is fascinating. I, I had an opportunity to actually be at um, Harvard uh, at, at, at a distanced event, um, and uh, somebody a lot smarter than me, so I can't take credit for saying this, but made the point of saying that if you took every major or minor American historian, teaching today, working today, writing today, every single one, the one thing they have in common, even though they have different ideologies and come from different places and have different experiences and cover different areas of American government and history, the one thing you can depend on is if you say to them, who was the worst president ever, they will say James Buchanan. How about Andy Johnson? No, in part, Buchanan was worse because every decision he made led to the Civil War, which killed, you know, Johnson's mess was he wanted to go backwards. Um, but there are people who tell you, historians smarter than me, that will tell you, you could find some things even in Johnson's presidency that weren't horrific. 
There's nothing you can find in the Buchanan presidency, fiscally, um, militarily, socially, morally, that was anything other than a disaster. So we have literally, since since 1860, the one unifying fact in historians, 150-plus years, was the worst president was Buchanan. He made the point of saying this year, there isn't a living, breathing historian that doesn't believe that Donald Trump has taken the bottom rung. Not about We're not talking about fiscal matters. We're not talking about ideology. We're not talking about um, the kinds of things, of, you know, socially more. He's just universally loathed as having been a disaster. And yet, Ed, 43% of the people in 28 days will go to the polls and vote for him. Well, for people that aren't familiar, James Buchanan was the president prior to Abraham Lincoln. It's good to say that. And he was also the only bachelor. He was, and there are people who think he was gay, but that's not why he was a bad president. But as Steinfeld would say, there's nothing wrong with nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but but what, what, it, what it was was it was a moment that needed greatness, and what you got instead was total mediocrity. Uh, and, and uh, you know, he was describing I uh, what I didn't know about that presidency could fill volumes. <laughs> you know, how much of us know about and But he said as bad as that was, in every single area of American life, Trump will go down as the worst president ever. And and he said, I'm not making any political statement here. I'm not talking about him being a Republican. I'm just saying he's just awful. And yet, as I said... It will be 56-43, 57-43, 55-43. He is locked at that 43% number. And he has silenced votes, too. He has fewer of them this cycle than he did the last cycle, in part because um, the 43% are not afraid to say. They, they, they don't mind saying they're for Trump. They're white men, uh, high school educated. Um, they think that everyone is, has taken advantage of them. You know, people who went to college take advantage of them. Women take advantage of them. Blacks take advantage the of government. them. Immigrant takes advantage of them. The government takes advantage of them. The, all they want is to have a life like you and I grew up in in Malden, you know, growing up in Suffolk Square. I often talk to people about my goal. My goal in life was to get a job at the post office or to work at GE when thousands and thousands of people in Malden went to GE, as you remember. With me, you know, My son-in-law retired from there. There you go. Um, I did not know that. But the... the, the, uh, the His father uh, retired from there. Because there was a family thing. People worked for the telephone company. People worked for the electric company. I mean, there were... There, how many banks were there in Malden? How many banks? Uh, you know, and people, you know, had jobs. They, 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 they had smaller dreams, if you will, but you could be a high school graduate and make a living and take care of your family and be respected and belong to your church or whatever and go to your bowling, you know, and um, then suddenly everything, the bottom fell out for that group of people. Um, truck, you know, a guy who drove a truck could make 30 Five bucks a week. If you worked at a horrible coal mine, uh, thirty-five bucks an hour. If you worked at a coal mine, you could make thir- so. You didn't have to be college educated to make a living. Then suddenly you went from thirty or twenty-five bucks an hour to seven fifty or eight or nine or ten, and and 
um, the respect that they felt that was being taken away from them um, has created this to America. And, and, and it's fascinating as we do this show to see the latest surveys. And as you well know, I spent most of my day looking at surveys. And it was really stunning today. For the first time in probably 30 years, senior citizens are going to vote for a Democrat, not a Republican. Like, you'd be surprised that, that, that senior citizens, given the fact that Democrats gave them Medi- uh, Social Security, they vote Republican. They don't vote Democratic. They want to keep what they got. They want to keep what they got. <laughs> they want to, yeah, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and uh, uh, so for the first time, older people are going to vote. Women... Stunningly, overwhelmingly, sixty plus percent. We've never seen numbers like that before. Going to vote for the the Democratic candidate. The only group in the poll, and Hispanics. probably there were twenty voting for the Democrat. You know, the debates flipped those numbers. You know, it was interesting because he was making some inroads. Again, if you're Hispanic, and you're let let's say you're a new citizen, a relatively new citizen, and you come from a country in South America that was a socialist country and you hate the government you know the government wasn't your friend down there you come to america and somebody says you can go to a little store and mind your own business and live your life and the government doesn't interfere there's also a large number of that particular population who are either catholic or evangelical christians and they are not pro-gay rights and they're not pro-abortion so they're fiscally conservative they're pro-life, they're pro-gay rights, I mean, they're anti-gay rights. Where the hell do they belong except in the Republican Party? And it, it's funny, Ed. Um, you know, I tell my students all the time that I love when I say something which is a surprise. I'm going to put two words in a sentence you're not going to believe. The brilliance of what George W. Bush and Karl Rove did in 2004 when they saw the Hispanic community as the lifeline for the Republicans to to stay in control, they got the largest percentage of Hispanic votes of any Republican in the last 80 years. And then a year later, the Republicans left the Hispanic voters behind, and since then they've been Democratic voters. But they were, if you think of it ideologically, why wouldn't you, if you were a Hispanic voter coming again from a South American country, all you want to do is be left alone. You know, work yep. hard, keep your mouth shut, and uh, and uh, um, Democrats want to do things for women. They want to do things for you know for black people. They want to do things for children. They want to do people all you know. All I want to do is make my living and keep my mouth shut and go to my church. A couple of things. One is I I, I don't know a lot of people of Hispanic extraction coming into this country in recent times. But I've been surprised in talking with the few that I do have some connection to, to, f- to see for the most part they are Republican and voting for Trump. And I, my response to them, and in, in, in not trying to persuade them to change, is why would you support someone who's trying to keep your family and friends out of the country? Because they're here. Right. That's the answer to the question. Right. You know, it, it, it's very funny. One of the things that um, I, I talk about all the time was when. My grandfather, who was uh, in my family, who are uh, uh, were Russian, Polish, Lithuanian, Jews, 
when Hitler first came to power uh, in the early 1930s, long before there was the Holocaust or the death camps, a number of Germans wanted saw what was going to happen. And people in Malden, the Jewish community in Malden, uh, wanted to help them get out, and they would they would raise money to, to get them out. Well, when the Germans came here, the first Germans, they were German, <laughs> and they were arrogant, and they looked down at the Russian Jews because that's what you know, it, 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 like all um, uh, communities of people in, in Ireland, you know, they, you know, depending on what county you come from, you wonder whether your sister can marry somebody. It, it, it's it's what ethnicity is really about. It's not like and they were lousy tippers in restaurants, and, and, you know. And and uh, and uh, um, they stopped bringing people because they were so angry at the reaction and the lack of of gratitude. And God only knows how many people were left there because the early people. But it, listen, they're what they are. They're German. They, you know, they were Germans, and they thought Germany was the greatest country in the world, except for Hitler. You know, and the culture was the best culture. The music was the best music. The writing was the best writing, except for Hitler. And of course, you come to America. Nobody wants to hear you say that. Nobody wants to hear you. Say, you know, uh, to 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 hear you pray. You know, you, go back to Germany. You know, who the hell needs you? And of course, we. You know, historically, we paid a price. But so it doesn't surprise me about the Hispanic community. The other thing is. People politically assume that all minorities are the same, which is ignorant. We don't assume, again, I, I had an old friend who you knew, a lobbyist, uh, William Richard Paul Delaney, Billy Delaney, and he came from South Boston. His father came from a family of seven children, and he was from a family of seven children, and they lived on on uh, on, on L Street in Southie. And he said to me, he was the first person to say to me, listen, you know that song where they say, I was born on A Street, grew up on B Street? So if you were born on A Street, you didn't talk to anybody on B Street because there's sons of bitches living in a different street than you. <laughs> and I was shocked. I, I, you know, And it explains, again, the, the lifelong antipathy that Ray Flynn, who came from one part of South Boston, had with Billy Bulger, who came from another part of South Boston. They were like, now, people looking from the outside would see two Irish guys, you know, so the point I want to make is is, is that this idea that, 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 again, a lot of white people have, that um, communities of color, Asian, Hispanic, black, will vote for each other before they vote for a white person is not true. Asians are more likely to vote for a white candidate than they are a black candidate. Hispanics are more likely to vote for a white candidate than an, an Asian candidate. They don't see themselves as having interest. They see themselves as competing with each other. And, and in the, you mentioned Asian, there's a caste system and a caste mentality between depending whether you're Vietnamese or Cambodian. Of course. And, and, uh, the, and it's, to some degree it's it's kind of parallel to what happened, and it's maybe still does happen, but years ago with the blacks in the South and the white people. and, and uh, But even among the blacks there was a caste system the lighter you were, the more likely course, you were assimilated. Absolutely, you know, it, 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 very, you know, uh, accurate statement. And I, I will say to you that, that again, that, that one of the most devastating books I ever read was called "The Rape of Nanking." N a n i n g. Yes, Nineteen thirty-seven. Right, and when 
when the uh, the author ended up killing herself because she couldn't. She literally was a young um, 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 Chinese woman who wrote the book, uh, whose grandmother was was part of that, and uh, what she learned really devastated her. Um, but in the book, there's a part in there where Ch- Japan goes and takes over this Ch- the Chinese this town, the Chinese city. And um, the Holocaust that takes place in the four-month period of rapes and murders and hangings. They had genocide. They played soccer in the streets with the heads of people. You know, they just thought they weren't human. It was like, who are these people anyway? But there's a great scene in the the book where this Chinese person, uh, the, the Japanese are coming, and he's never seen a Japanese person. He wants to know what they look like. He heard that they look something like them, but they look different. And, you know, we, it, it's nonsensical in the world we live in now. We have TV. You can see everybody and everywhere. But in those days, you know, the, can you imagine being a, an adult and really never having seen a person who wasn't mm. Chinese? That Then King um, Tragedy, there was a vivid photo that was taken of a of a, a youngster, perhaps about two or three years old, s- sitting up in the railroad tracks, crying, and you could see in the background the devastation of the city, and that was that was published, I think, in what in a in a U.S. paper. Right, uh, it's, I think Life Magazine. That's a Life yeah, Magazine. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, is is that, and we'll get back to to yeah. our politics, you know, Donald Trump uh, in two thousand and six. Pulled the upset that he pulled, and certainly I thought he had no chance of winning. I saw Hillary winning by two or three points and with a fairly substantial lead, which is exactly what happened. The the biggest thing I do in my career now is everybody who says the polls were wrong, I have to say, no, the polls were absolutely accurate. She finished, can you look it up? She lost by two and a half points and three million votes, which is exactly what the pollsters were saying. What, What we didn't see was... His ability to pull what we call the inside straight, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, by 77,000 out of millions cast, not even 1%, that 77,000 vote in three states made him the president. There's no dynamic, Ed, in 2020, zero, for that to occur, in part because people who disliked Hillary and disliked Trump, and there were an enormous number of them. Remember, neither one of them got 50%. But, yeah, but, but blacks didn't vote to the degree. In part because they didn't think Hillary you know, cared about yeah. the, the, the The point I was going to make was that, that, that um, um, of the people who disliked Hillary and disliked Trump, overwhelmingly that subset group in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, voted for Trump. They said, what the hell, let's give it a shot. This year, the people who don't like Trump and don't like Biden, 70-plus percent of them are voting for Biden. And so the phenomenon that allowed him to to, to sneak in, um, um, it's just not there this time. He, he knows it. I mean, he, he, is, he is not a stupid guy, and he is aware... That the 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 only dynamic that allows him to win is Biden's getting the coronavirus and well there's all there's always um, 
you know, uh, the, the Flutie Pass or the, uh, as he referred to the virus, it'll disappear. But one of the things I find amazing in this year's election for president is that it, to some degree, I tell people this, the, the events that occur on, a, on an ongoing basis for months now is a little like a, a Chinese water torture. The, the drip, drip, drip continues, and it's rare that something happens in the newspapers or in the events that occur that are favorable towards the President Trump. And it isn't that there's bias on both both, both sides of the uh, the editorial pages and and then in the in the, in the uh, television. However, when you think back for months now. It's not just the virus, and that's something that's uh, uh, it's amazing that uh, what is going on in the minds of some people with that that terrible devastation. But so many other things have happened, and they don't favor Trump. Trump. They don't favor the Republicans, and yet when they do polls now, he's got about forty percent of the vote anyway. 43. So they 43. talk about things that happen, and and I've had I've heard people locally that I've known for a long time, and and they'll tell me that they're voting for Trump, and they they accept the fact that he's not a nice person, he has a lot of baggage, but either they're so like you said about the people that uh, and these are these have some education yep. some, that. They're against the government the way it's run. They're against the Democrats because they think they're a giveaway party. And so when they look at the two people, in spite of the fact that they, they see his shortcomings, they're voting for him anyway. And, and to, to, to show how right you are about that, um, as we look at the race with 28 days to go, um, today the question was asked, with me sitting here saying to you, I agree 1,000%, he will get 43% of the vote. If Jesus himself came back from the dead, Trump would get 43%. It's just it's there. Um, and yet when asked whether he brought this, the COVID on himself, his behavior, uh, only 25% say no, which means that 18% of the people who in the end are going to vote for him because he's going to get 43% are voting for him even though they know it's his fault that he got sick. Yeah. They don't care. They just, you know, and you said it perfectly. The whole idea that that um, that um, everybody gets something but me. Old people get something. Children get something. Minorities get something. Women get something. I'm the only one who's left behind because I'm I'm you know again the white guy, the aggrieved white guy, and. Um, the Democrats, uh, you know, just don't understand or care about the problems of people like me. And uh, you won't let me uh, care for my family or, or do the right thing, you know. Uh, and uh, they look at Trump and, and and he plays the aggrieved candidate. I mean, have you ever heard, and you, you've got a long career in, in the legislature in Malden as mayor, did you ever hear any human being who complains about the fact that he's always a victim? It is the most amazing, you know, least uh, appealing quality you and I would say, 
and yet his whole persona is, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, everybody's mean to me, they don't give me a poor chance, for me. me. <laughs> and you would never think that that was, if you came to me and said, that's my, that's going to be my, my, my uh, mantra, as uh, when I run for, I would have said, Ed, you'll lose. But, but to a lot of people, they say, you know what, he's right. To everyone but me, I'm the one getting, no, you know, when the history books are written, um, what's being what 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 will be written about him will be horrific. I don't I don't I don't envy his grandchildren. The kinds of things that could be written about his business dealings, about his personal life, about his presidency. But for right now, forty three percent of the people they have go be with him on election day, and you can you can go to the bank. And that. in spite of all of that, and and and. Uh, Going back, all when you think about the number of books that have been written by his former uh, uh, staff, people, by his people that were appointed positions of authority by him, by family members. When you see uh, the, the books that have come out so far, uh, I think the record is held by Abraham Lincoln. Right, yeah, he's coming close, but, but he, he's, but he's already probably because he's a fascinating guy. It is something. You know, it's like a car wreck. I don't mean that. It's like, you know, nobody wants to see a car wreck, and yet, you know, you slow down. You know, yeah. I see it. Yeah, here we go. And yeah. he is a car wreck of a human being. And um, your point is really, uh, you can't go anywhere and not see shelves full of books about this guy. And, you know, when when you think about the fact, as you well know, there are certain people who always write good things about you. Your chief of staff, the guy you gave a job to, somebody you might have helped, you know, you know, whatever. You know, I didn't always agree with Ed, but he was a good guy when he was on the council. He was a good guy. <laughs> you know, find a book that says anything good about him. Find find some McMaster, um, uh, uh, Kelly, um, uh, Mattis. Nobody has anything good to say. Nobody can say. I sat in a room, and you know what he said? He really surprised me because he, he was really sensitive. But it's always, he was always, there's a, in Yiddish, there's a word called chaza. He's always the guy who's grabbing for more and stuffing it in his mouth. I mean, it really is. Your, your, your point is well taken. You know, how, when you think about it, how many people legislatively, both on the council and in the legislature, did you serve with during your entire career? Hundreds. Hundreds of people. And I bet of those hundreds of people, you have very few. I know one, but we will <laughs> let that go. Uh, but but how many people can you really say you have nothing good to say about them? It's really, you know, at least he was a good father. You know, it was... Um, Fascinating, fascinating to watch. But uh, one other thing, which I mentioned, Michael's connection to Malden, just as a refresher for those who aren't aware of it, his family business growing up here in Malden was the, the Goldman Funeral Home, which is still in business. His right, brother's my, running my it. My brother and his nephew. Here in my Marlin. nephew. Well, Anybody looking young... to die, please feel free to call. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, here's a scenario. Um, I was going to ask two questions, Please. one of which had to do with what happens if he wins. And, yep. and the, the, the try to visualize how he could win at this point. Hillary was in the polls, was leading, 
But again, she did keep, win. Keep in mind, those polls most often reflect the national exactly vote. And he, you can win California as she did by a huge number of votes, but you only get the same electoral college if you carried it by a thousand votes. And as Michael already alluded to, in those pivotal states. The small margin of victory meant the difference between him being the president and him not being the president because he won Pennsylvania and he won the Wisconsin other states that and Michigan. talked about. Yeah. But, but here's the difference, Ed. If you said to me, if we were doing this show one month ago and you said, Michael, I've got $1,000 here and um, I bet you that next month when we meet on the 28 days before the election, the three states that will be in play are Ohio, Texas, and South Carolina. I'd say to you, there is zero chance that those three states, those states are like, in presidential politics, like Massachusetts and New York and California and Kansas and Utah. They are red states. You have to go back... 80 years to find a Democrat, a presidential candidate who won in South Carolina. You have to go back uh, to uh, Lyndon Johnson in 64 to find a Democratic candidate who won in in Texas. And Ohio has been a disaster for Democrats, one Democrat in the last 50 years. All three of those states are now in play. Now, I personally believe the Democrats are going to end up losing them because they should lose them based on... But when you take a look at a situation, and it could sound like I'm shifting here, but I'm not, Arizona is another state that the Democrats simply have not won in dec- decades. Decades. It doesn't matter who they put up. They're not winning that... You know, Whether Obama wins or loses, he ain't winning Arizona. And uh, and uh, Biden's up by 10 points there. He's up by 10 points in, in Wisconsin. He's up by 11 points in Michigan. He's up by 13 points in Pennsylvania. He's up in in Ohio by five points, and he's tied in Texas. That's in in, in, in the same with South Carolina. South Carolina. And he's tied. In South- now, again, my gut tells me they'll all go Republican the way they should, just like I, my gut would tell me that Massachusetts is going to go Democratic. But if you're talking about those states, you're not talking about what happened in 2016. You're not talking about the real purple states, Virginia, you know, Florida, North Carolina. Those are states, you know, depending on the mood. But there are states like Massachusetts, New York. We know they're going to be Democratic. And Wyoming, I don't think, has ever voted Democratic in the entire history of the state. (laughs) So it's pretty safe to say it's a Republican state. And um, uh, I, I, I am just, I am dumbfounded. I am, uh, it, it's stunning to see the numbers collapse in a way that, that certainly in your and my political life, we've never seen anything like it in a presidential race. I mean, we're looking at Reagan in 80, Carter in 92 in terms of the Electoral College. Massive spreads. Well, there's two factors that may, with whatever hope the people that support Trump have, and maybe he himself, uh, two things that may make a difference enough to make a difference in the end, and that is that 
there's a certain there's a concerted effort and it's being successful to some degree about suppressing votes by absolutely disallowing mail-in votes, and that's um, that's one thing. Which is why I say, effect. in the end, South Carolina is going to go Republican. Right. They're going to be able to kill enough votes. Right. That- the the other thing is that they've tried to uh, this Sleepy Joe uh, nickname to impress in people that that separate from the forty-seven years of experience in Washington is that maybe at his this point. He's he is not what he used to be, and therefore he's not up to the job. So, by the way, uh, neither are you and I. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's be honest. I mean, you can't be in your seventies and be the same as you were in your fifties, yeah, despite the lie about eighty when he when he, right. when he finishes the term. You know, the, to your point, I want you to finish your thought. But but it's interesting you you say that because because um, one of the parts of that is. He's actually almost as old as Biden is. That's the, the we're, not talking about, we're not talking about a president who's fifty who's running against a guy who's in his seventies, whatever. Years. There's yeah. three or four years separating. And and as you well know, certainly I'm discovering, um, you know, as as you age, you forget your, you know you forget your thoughts. You start off down a trail and you get lost. You don't have Alzheimer's. You don't have dementia. It's just the nature of getting older. And when I see Biden, I sometimes feel that sort of, you know, pull that he's really, you know, just not as sharp as he was back in the day. But who is? And, and again, the last thing I'll say is, is that before COVID came, uh, I'm sure most of our viewers will except the fact that we used to have a line that said 50 is the new, 70 is the new 50 right now 70 is the new 90 you know it's like covid has locked up people like me who are in the 70s and basically don't go to work i'm doing the show because of you but you know you don't go out you don't go anywhere you don't eat in a restaurant you most of us you know you wear a mask everywhere you go because that's what you have to do and and uh and suddenly we got old, you know, and, and I think your your point reflects that. Well, the thing, the second factor would be in the in the debate that's coming up, and this is uh, the first one. Um, was, it was an embarrassment. You know, we could spend hours just talking about, but basically, I think one of the things that disturbed me most about it was that um, because of the school situation, it could have have happened that a lot of the teachers were saying to their students. Well, your assignment, since it's you're at home anyway, yeah. give us a write-up of, the, of a critique of the debate and, and your impression. It certainly made a very negative impression on young people because for them to listen to two grown men who are, in theory, gonna, one of them going to lead the country and one currently is, to talk it over each other, to insult each other, and to make statements uh, of personal nature. But thinking beyond that, uh, if it were to happen and... Um, if you, if you like um, interesting situations, the book was published back in the 50s, Advise and Consent. Of course. And in that book— One of my uh, favorite books. Yeah. Um, someone uh, who was a, a significant political person ended up at, right in front of a, a large group of people. Start, he switched from English to Creole French, and that was the person who had just gone over the edge in terms of his mental capacity. And I don't think Biden is that way, but— there are things when he's uh, 
up there talking, he, he tends to grab for words and he sometimes switches directions in what he's trying to say. But You know, Reagan did that too, but he did it much more smoothly. Well, he was an actor. And he right, had that, yeah. he had a real skill set, but he also... Uh, your point uh, again. I, I I happen to agree with you. I, I just I think that that uh, the one thing that helped him was, according to the polling, uh, people overwhelmingly thought that he he got pushed into it. You know, I didn't like. Unlike a lot of people, I did not like when he said "shut up, man." I, I did not like that. You know, called I know a, why he did it. Call him a clown. And a clown. I I didn't like. You know. But, you know, again, you know, I have an idea that, 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 that quote-unquote, debates, you know, ought to be, an, you know, an ability for two people to sit there and, and, and basically make their case. And, as, you know, you were debated in the legislature. You know, you, you don't always win, but you want what to—what was, what was the Biden case? And what was the Trump case that, that, that you walked away saying, I now understand why— they want to be president of the United States, and um, again, I, I, you know, without taking off my Democratic hat, I mean, it was clear that 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 Trump did not want to have that debate. What he wanted to do was he wanted to show that Joe Biden was enfeebled. That was the strategy. Well, you, you know, know uh, f- uh, four years ago, that debate with the with the Hillary Clinton's uh, vice president. Right. Tom, uh, the, he's a senator from West Virginia. Right, King. A, 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 pl- a pleasant, affable person. Yeah. A, a, a Virginia. Excuse uh, me, Virginia. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. And um, what did I say? Tom, his name is Kane. Tom Kane. Was that his? Well, now you know why I'm yeah, old. Exactly. Reviewer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and that's what they think might happen tomorrow with with them. Because, but in, in in his case. He was extremely aggressive against Pence, and I, I, I thought it was out of character, and I really, I was really surprised uh, the way he, he came at him. And most times the vice president uh, in, a, in a national campaign doesn't really impact the final result. He's, the person is there, he's a factor, or she's a factor, but not like it's going to make a difference in many instances. And it well, didn't that time, except... He didn't help. He didn't help his cause, and neither did. Well, I, I would say Trump. this to you. I, I'd say this to you that I, having worked on the 1988 Michael Dukakis campaign as a senior consultant, um, we really thought that uh, Quayle was the weak link, and uh, people, some people out there don't even remember Dan Quayle was vice president for. It's good trivia question. You know, yeah, uh, <laughs> and um, um, the truth is, is that. Nobody voted for the vice president. They didn't vote for 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 Benson, who had the, the home run line, and they didn't vote against it. They voted for Bush or Dukakis. And the truth is, this race is not about the VP. It maybe should be, given the fact that he may he's the age that he is. Um, but there'll be people who look at Camilla Harris and simply say, "Why isn't she home taking care of her kids?" And there'll be people saying, gee, is it really time for a woman to be in a position that's potentially there? You may be right, but, but don't underestimate uh, Pence. He's a former talk show host. Even when he says horrible, terrible things that don't make sense, he says it in a way that doesn't sound like he's totally crazy and that he's not making any sense. You know, um, And that was the, the mistake that Tim Kaine made in... 
2016 is he thought that the guy was not so bright. But uh, as someone who did a talk show for many years, uh, as you well know, you can get through a lot when you can talk. You know, you can sort of blue smoke your way through some stuff. Because uh, this time he has to defend the record of the administration. That's a little bit harder. Four years ago, he could say, this is what we're going to do. Now he's got to say, this is what we've done. And that's always the place you don't want to be. Just a bit of uh, uh, trivia. Just a, yep. I, I recently read a book, The Red and the Blue. And Steve really Konecki, tough. terrific guy. Yes, it was, and the author was uh, Steve Konecki, who's been on TV. You see him a lot of times giving bars, bars and graphs on, on uh, poll information. And, and by the way, and he comes from, from uh, this area. He comes from Burlington, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a local boy. That. Local boy makes good. But it's a well-written book. It was published in... 2018, but it only covers a period up to 2000. Which, but it if you follow the book, it explains to a great degree on why we're at this point in our lives politically in, in the in the United States. We're so polarized because that really started with the contract with America Correct. and those yep. with the Republicans and the kinds of things that were done Gingrich politically. But one thing caught my attention as I read the book was that. During some of those primaries in the Republican side, uh, Pat Buchanan was a candidate. Absolutely, he and won. And he was a good candidate. Right. And he, and literally, what Trump is saying now, Pat Buchanan said yep. then, build the wall, keep out the immigrants, send them back, the ones that are here that don't aren't here legally. And I mean, some of those, and, and the trade stuff. But what caught my attention as I was reading the book, at one point when he gave an announcement on one of the occasions when he was running in the primaries as a Republican, um, we're going to take our party back from those who have walked away from us and forgotten about us. And given a little back to what Michael said about the people in the disenfranchising attitude towards America, and when we have taken our party back, we're going to take our country back, which is a little different what when Trump talks about make America great again. Exactly. And yeah. and and again, it's fascinating you pulled out that line because it is if you if you don't believe that somebody understands the problems of people like you, doesn't care about the problems that now you can understand and not care. And you can care but not really get it cuz let's say if you're super rich, how do you understand when someone's old and afraid and poor? Uh, you can you can care about that person, but you don't really get the terror of their lives. Yeah. And then finally, and most importantly, Ed, the the question of can you do anything? Will you do anything for me? And not me, the individual, my family, my daughter, my son, my grandmother, my 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 neighborhood. My, you know, those three questions. Whether you're running for counselor at large in in Malden, or whether you're running for president, people have to have a sense that you that you. You're there to make their lives better. And if the Democrats have a failure, it's been the failure to convince huge swaths of, in this case, white males, that they care about them in part because they seem to be talking about the others. Again, women, minorities, immigrants, old, you know, older people, people who are sick. You know, and these people look around and say, you know, what about me? What am I, chopped liver? And... Um, uh, Buchanan and and uh, and uh, and and Trump, brilliantly and Gingrich, they understood that. They instinctually understood that. I it took me a long time to really figure that out. In part because 
we have the the fantasy America that they taught us in Malden, in Lincoln Junior High School, in Malden High School, which is we're all in this, you've got to respond to it, da, 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 which is fine until you're saying, but I want a job at GE. You know, uh, again, when we were young, 50,000 people worked on that campus in Lynn. 50,000 people a day would go and drive and go to... That's why it's such a huge, I don't think people realize on the outside how far back it goes. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of buildings that would be buildings. Now they have less than 500 people working there every day. Still on the same campus. But, I mean, when you're going from 50,000 people from Lynn, from Everett, from Malden, from Chelsea, from, you know, Winthrop that would end up there, like your son-in-law and his was it your son-in-law and his father? What is it? Who did you say was that worked there from your family? Who who did you say from your family worked at the GE? Oh, my son-in-law. Yeah, your son-in-law and his dad. You know, again, it was commonplace. And again, how many people do you did you and I know growing up who worked for the telephone company, or for uh, for New England, you know, power or for. You know, you know, one of the factories in Malden, Friends Beans and oh. Gans Tires, and and the knitting mills, the Malden knitting mills, and the uh, I was just the Revere knitting mills, and you know, and uh, and we were a manufacturing community. We were, you know, people who live in Malden now don't don't realize we were a factory town. You know, uh, they had Eastern Barrel was the largest barrel company in America. You know. Uh, we had the the soda thing. A couple of part of drug was you know, there. Cutie Cura. Cutie yeah. Cura, you know, um, uh, you know it was uh, down in the kind of game green. You know, yeah, down on the Converse. You know, Converse rubber. You know, he's the every year you'd see your classmates lining up. To, you know, before school, they get your newest. You're back in favor. They wear them now formally. You know, really, I know that. <laughs> Whitey's in my business. I know, yeah. but I mean, I mean, you know, our vision and memories of Malden are different than the people who live here now. Now, you know, you got a train that goes through Malden Square. You know, again, and I don't want to bore people with the past, but, you know, you get a, a bus on Ferry Street, and you go to Everett Station, you take the train from Everett Station, you go to 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 uh, to uh, the trolley, you take the trolley to go, right? goes right through downtown Malden Square, you know. I mean, how many times did I get on a a damn bus to go to Everett Station. You know, how can you think, how can you understand how that that, that changed the city? Really made it a totally different, people want to live here now because it's only eight minutes from Boston and it's, it's you know, you can live here, it's relatively safe, it's a lovely, it's always been a, a not, you know, a place without a high crime rate. You know, it's, it, it's you know, although, um, uh, the former counselor uh, who does that great thing on the on the, uh, on the uh, Facebook with Malden facts, a, a lot of people were you know a lot of murders in Malden. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eleanor, is uh, uh, it Donahue? He used to be a counselor at large from Donahue. Ward One. Um, not currently. What do you? What do you no, mean? no. Before there's somebody who has this fabulous Malden thing on the fa on Facebook. Oh. And she she gets items from the paper, 
uh, going back into the 18, you know, 80s, 70s, 90s, 1910. Uh, fabulous stuff uh, about about uh, the first bank robbery, the first right. Well, that's yeah. one of them. She's there, but but yeah. but uh, but it's all the things that she, you know with with uh, with. Uh, Oh, someone mentioned her name to me. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She's, it's a If you don't get it, you should really get it. Yeah, well, it's to, just fun. Yeah, it's just yeah. really fun. It, it's fun to see the locations of the crimes, yeah. and uh, um, so many people were involved in bootlegging. So many people were involved in uh, gaming. We had and, Bill Mini before. You know, <laughs> that's, you know, it, 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 but again. Yeah. You know, and yet Malden in many ways hasn't changed really much at all in terms of its the sense of the city. Well, the pop, it ha, you know when you think about it is you know the Irish, Italian, and Jewish were the community go, before, and right, obviously but, that's a big difference now the diversity. Right. Um, but you know that's not alone. I. I uh, but they're working people. They were that those oh, communities worked, yeah. and these and the people who are living here now, you don't have a a skyrocketing population on public assistance. They're still working people. They're just different, yeah. you know, working people. Yeah. You yeah. know, one of the things, just to, as an extension of our previous conversation today, assuming Trump does not get reelected, yes, he's which now I the think president is president for uh, another about another nine weeks. Terrifying. During that time, he has the same authority, executive powers, till the day walks out the door. Yep. Yep. And one of the things I think we probably expect to look at that some of these loyalists that have, whether it's Flynn or some of these other people, the ones that are in jail, pardon. He would very likely pardon them, as he did the other person that didn't even get a a, a sentence before he pardoned (laughs) them. Um, So. But there's other things he can do in his own way to accomplish what he can't do after that. And, and uh, supposedly one of the motivators, maybe in the background and all of what's going on in him as campaigning, that should he, have, should he get reelected, that some of these legal issues that he's dealing with, that as a president he's, a, he's immune for the moment from right. being pr- prosecuted, but the statute of limitations is going to eliminate the problem if he gets reelected. Exactly, which is why he's, you know, you know. Again, I, I have absolutely no doubt that what you just said is correct. I, I, I'm going to tell you something now. This is my prediction. My prediction is that he is going to come out with a blanket pardon for anyone involved in any way, including his children, in the Trump uh, businesses, uh, and uh, anyone involved in his administration. He's going to give them complete pardons. There's nothing anyone can he do about himself. it. himself. Wait, no, he can't give himself a pardon. What he's going to do is wait till the day before he's supposed to leave, January 19th. He's going to resign, turn the presidency over to um, Pence for one day, and Pence will pardon him. Now, it doesn't stop him from being... Uh, uh, being um, uh, prosecuted by states like New York, but it takes 95% of the weight off of everyone he cares about. Uh, and um, to be honest with you, if if he would have said to the to the Democrats, in return for not doing anything horrific in the period of time from the night I lose the election on November 3rd to January 20th. I want to guarantee that I won't be prosecuted statewide or in the 
I'd make that deal. I'd make the deal in a heartbeat if I were the Democrats. You know? And, uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because the thing you're most worried about is all the stuff you can do. Like, for example, he can fire the FBI director the day the election's over even though there's a new president coming in. And he will because he hates the FBI director because he actually told the truth about, about you know, yeah. uh, Antifa being a, an idea, not a, not a, not a, a group. And, and uh, of course, the, uh, uh, the, the Russians being the, the single biggest threat we have, not the Chinese. I mean, he'll never forgive him for that. Now, will the next president come in and reappoint him? Maybe. Um, uh, Biden did say that his first phone call on the on the day he gets uh, the day he gets sworn in, first call he makes is to Fauci. So if he fires Fauci, you know, um, a lot of the people who are leaving now are basically leaving to position themselves. So I left. I stood up. The uh, one one other factor to, uh, that sometimes. Uh, when you think about the dynamics of what's going on now, is that uh, it's amazing to me that almost to a person, the Republican elected officials in Washington have sat silently, while, regardless of what has happened, what has been said, and what has not been said. And the few that have risen up in question, I mean, Romney on a limited basis. I was but just, they left. Flake... Well, I was just going to say, they've left. Yeah, in they fact, now, I don't know whether that's got anything to do with it, but the senator from Pennsylvania announced this week yep. that he's not running for re-election. That's two years from now. He can see Pennsylvania's turning blue. That's what it is. He knows he's, he's, it's, it's going to be a purple-blue state rather than a purple-red state, yeah. which it's been for a while. Santorum was there for a while, if you remember. He lost. Would you expect that the Democrats will get a majority in the, in the Senate? I do. I think they're going to pull this off. I didn't a month ago. I really didn't. But I, you can't see where things are going. At some point, the numbers start to have a pull of their own. I don't know how long they stay. In the Senate, one term, you know, um, but but the Democrats will control the Senate. They'll definitely control the House, and if they have the presidency, sometimes that's the worst thing you can have. You know, you know, you know. Be careful what you ask for. Then people say it's your fault because nothing get done. What about my job? I've been it's two years late. I still not work. You've been in charge for two years. Let's bring the Republicans back to the ballot. So. Yeah. That's what that's the way that, you know that I would look at it if I were the Republicans. You know, we got two years in the wilderness. We'll do everything we can to, to slow it down, make sure people know they're in charge. Um, and uh, and uh, two years from now, you know, Biden, if he's still alive, you know, we'll have a, <laughs> we'll have a Republican Senate and a Democratic House. Well, do you expect that? Um no, I, I mean, I think one of the things that's going to come up again, and, and, and the Biden evaded the question, and that was the uh, uh, pack in the court and also uh, the, eliminating the filibuster. That'll, that'll come up again this week, I think. I, I honestly, you know, again, opinions, anyone can have them. To me, it's a, both of them make little sense. If you, if you want to do those two things, understand that the next time the other side will too. So, you know, maybe we should have 15 justices or 20 justices or 25 justices. But if the Democrats pack the court, the Republicans will pack the court when they have a chance to do it. And if the Democrats blow up the filibuster, um, yes, it'll be great for the short term, 
But in the long term, they'll be back. They'll have the House. They'll have the Senate. Yeah. And we have to live with what's there. I think the more frightening thing, uh, Ed, is the lower courts, the brilliant job that uh, McConnell did for the next 35, 40 years. You've got young, essentially right-wing conservative judges. And in our country, this is the historian of me coming out, You know, we've had three periods of time in our history where the courts were out of step with the country. Um, one of them was uh, the uh, Gilded Age, which Teddy Roosevelt came in and, and basically broke the back of the trusts. At that point in time, the, the, the Supreme Court was a reflection of the conservatism of the Republicans who'd been in power since the Civil War. And um, you know Roosevelt, as a Republican, had the power to sort of moderate the court in a way, uh, this is a great trivia question. You know, what socialist candidate got the most votes of any socialist candidate for president ever? It was the 1912 race. Deb Combs, uh, Deb. Uh, uh, Eugene V. Debs. Yeah. It was. Uh, it, it, Wilson. Uh, Wilson t- in uh, 2008. And Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, running for Bull Moose. Yes. He came in second. It's the only time a Republican didn't come in, or a Democrat didn't come in first or second. But the point was is that was a court-generated um, situation where the courts had to strip the moneyed interests of the ability to have the trusts. And the trusts allowed them to crush small business, to take away all their competition, to raise prices. I mean, it sounds funny to say. but And then, of course, the second time was, was Franklin Dollar Roosevelt, you know, when the court was reflected the Republican conservative... Um, uh, House and Senate um, and the Depression hits and they're just not prepared for the country saying we want things that may not be legal. I, I Again, I, I love this story. Um, in 1965, the Supreme Court, um, the Warren Court, uh, had two rulings. One was the uh, the lesser known, the Escobedo ruling, and the other one was the Miranda ruling, which everybody knows because of the Miranda Law. And both of them together is what the Miranda Law is. People confuse them. And basically, you have a right to remain silent, you have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, an attorney would be put. Well, I was starting college, and I remember that in New York City, there was a massive, massive rally of police basically saying... The end of America has begun. If this, if the Miranda ruling is is kept in play, uh, what criminal is going to be able to be convicted? Who's going to be stupid enough to come in and say I did it? Uh, how are we going to possibly get the evidence? You know, I mean, as you well know, they used to beat people up, and they they'd commit, they'd say anything. But the the point of the story is is that is that in 2010 when the when the uh, when the uh, Republicans took over, one of the first things the conservatives wanted to do was to get rid of the Miranda rulings because it was unconstitutional, right? And guess what happened? The police said, you can't get rid of the Miranda rulings. That's the most important thing we got. How do you think we've been doing our job? And on that note, interesting. thank you for listening. And I'm going to have Michael, uh, if not back here in person, we'll get a recap after November 3rd Sounds to see great. how much of what we talked about today turned out the way that we anticipated or projected. 
And we didn't even get a chance to talk about Charlie Baker. I had a couple of questions. Who? Charlie oh, Baker. Okay. <laughs> no. Anyway, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it after the election. How's that? This, this show will be run Saturday and Sunday this weekend, and I hope you'll, if you missed it t- tonight, then, uh, which is really tomorrow night, because we're taping it on Tuesday, that you'll have a chance to watch it Saturday or Sunday. It's always a pleasure, Ed. I appreciate you being here.